You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. It's time for straight talk about diversity, frank questions, honest answers, and real insights. It's Diversity Straight Up with your hosts, Sada Kabodka of Nikea Diversity Consulting and Anthony Arrington of Top Rank Professional and Executive Search Firm. Diversity Straight Up is a Corridor Business Journal podcast brought to you by Collins Aerospace, the City of Cedar Rapids, and Alliant Energy. On today's episode, Steve Shriver, CEO of Ecolips. I mean, like basically uh, underrepresented populations. They're given way more hurdles and, uh, and I see it every day. And so part of my life mission is just to, I guess, share the wealth um, that, that I get or have from my, from my privilege. I probably wouldn't have been able to articulate it that way five years ago. We'll be right back. At Collins Aerospace, we believe that fostering an inclusive environment makes our employees feel valued. It also helps our business succeed. By encouraging diverse viewpoints in the workplace, we're redefining futures. It's why we proudly support the Corridor Business Journal's diversity podcast, Diversity Straight Up. Diversity Straight Up is sponsored by the City of Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids is a welcoming and vibrant city, encompassing unique attractions, exciting and diverse events, specialty shopping, a dynamic art scene, and a large variety of restaurant and nightlife options. You'll find that Cedar Rapids offers one of the best places to live, work, and play in the Midwest. Welcome to another episode of the Corridor Business Journal's Diversity Straight Up. We're your co-hosts, Sadeq Abakta. And I'm Anthony Arrington. Anthony, I'm very excited. This is our last episode to wrap up season one. Can you believe the journey we've been on? It's what do you think? It's been fun. It's been fun. I didn't know where this was going when we first started. We we massaged it and we've we've had some amazing guests. And uh, what a way to end our season with with, uh, with Steve Shriver, uh, CEO of Ecolips. We're going to have a, a great conversation. Um, before we do that, uh, something's on my mind, Sadika. Something's on my mind. Uh, I've been struggling. I want to talk about the, the, I mean, obviously there's a lot of racial tension, but I really want to talk about uh, yesterday, my struggle. And it was knowing that a black man was, was burned uh, by white people in Grinnell, Iowa, um, and the circumstances surrounding that. And at the same time, having to uh, face the verdict of the, the officers in Kentucky who were not charged for Breonna Taylor's death. Uh, really, really disturbed me yesterday. And it's, uh, it's been a struggle trying to process that um, and trying to find solutions on, on how to get through that. And um, that's been an emotional struggle. Uh, it's been uh, uh, anger um, and all kinds of, of feelings going through my body. Um, and trying to compartmentalize that and get through the day has been really, really tough for me. Uh, so that's been on my mind a lot. Oh, Anthony, thank you so much for sharing how you are feeling and what your reflections are. I don't know what it feels like to be in your skin right now yep. in America yeah. or living as part of a global citizen here. Yeah. And I know that you've indicated before that you get scared sometimes walking outside a lot of times. Yeah. I don't feel like that, yeah. not r here, not where I'm at, maybe other places 
but not like you do. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a different uh, until you feel it, y- you really don't understand it. And so, um, it's we get through it day by day. Um, but it's why uh, I, my energy is doing the work that we do. Any suggestions um, you have for allies and supporters to help? individuals such yeah. as yourself that yeah. are struggling yeah. as we all are but we're here to be allies definitely you know? yeah think about root cause um when uh, i would ask you to not look at uh there will be rioting on tv and somebody's going to tear up a building and somebody's going to you know do something that the media and, and uh you know certain individuals in the in the, in the in the political spectrum will take out of context and i think we we have to look at everything that's happening through the lens of a root cause. And when we think about root cause in business, we do this all the time. We ask questions, and we dig deeper. Um, so I, I would ask that, that those allies, when you see, you know, rioting or, or something on TV, it's easy to, to point to that anger. And why are they tearing that building up? Or That's not the right answer. You're right. I think a third grader knows that burning a building or something's not right. But you need to ask the next question. Why did they wake up? They didn't wake up this morning and decide, I'm going to wake up and go burn a building there's a deeper reason on why those people are out there. And so I would, I would ask that, that people think, dig into those reasons and try to understand backstories because um, people don't just wake up and decide they want to tear up things. And, and most of the protesters and people that are protesting are doing it in, in peace. Um, but even those that are doing it in anger, you have to understand that anger. You may not agree with the action. But if you dig under the hood and look at root cause, like we do in business every day in manufacturing and technology, when things go wrong, that could kill people. We do a root cause analysis. We have to do a root cause analysis of humanity. And so I would ask as we look at, um, read and and dig deeper, dig behind the curtain, and and please don't just look at what you may see on TV all the time. So That is a great advice, a reserve judgment and uh, look deeper and um, have a try to have a better understanding yeah, yeah. you know I know that um, with colleagues hearing it all the time that uh, you can come into work and you're feeling this overwhelming feeling yeah. but yet you have to put a smile on your face yeah yep what other suggestions would you have I know that we've been getting a lot of this is I can't be myself I yeah. have to be well, smiling all the time yeah. or feel like I'm doing okay yeah. and I'm not you know, I'm glad you asked that. You and I have been reading a, a book, and we've been working with a client on uh, reading a book called Permission to Feel. So I'll just use that sentence. Um, give people permission to feel the way they do. There's, uh, when you ask somebody how they feel, mean it and listen. Listen to how they feel. Thank you. Yeah. These are some <laughs> challenging times. Yep. But time for us to continue to have conversation and keep the lines of communication open. We're, uh, we can continue to talk about this, and I know that we will um, with our guest uh, around some of these topics as well. Yeah. Let's go ahead and see what's on our guest's mind. What's on our guest's mind? Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us on Diversity Straight Up. Thank you for having me. Well, let's uh, give our listeners a little bit of information of Steve Shriver. Steve Shriver is a CEO and a founder of Ecolips. He's an entrepreneur, pioneer in the organic and sustainability movement. He has been in the natural and organic skincare business since 1997. He founded and then sold Raining Rose, 
a skincare manufacturer, and then he founded Ecolips Organic Lip Balm, which is a brand sold in more than 12,000 retailers across the U.S. and abroad. Steve also has his hands in several other businesses. Steve has personally consulted with over 100 small businesses and startups, sharing his expertise across many industries. He encourages creative innovation in the business community by serving as guest speaker, panel expert, and various events. Steve was named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Quarter Business Journal in 2014. In Steve's spare time, I don't know how he has any spare time, but yeah. it is. I don't know either. <laughs> spare time, he enjoys hiking, <laughs> rock climbing, camping, cooking, and traveling with his wife and three daughters. He has traveled and taken them to almost every state in the U.S. and to over 23 countries around the world. Indeed, a global citizen. He is an avid volunteer in his community and continues to serve on boards and uh, committees. Steve, um, I know that this is just a snippet of your bio, but um, uh, thank you. And uh, we know that part of it is you also climbed some mountains. Tell us a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah, I, I love, uh, you know, climbing. Um, I like setting goals. I like achieving goals. Uh, I even thrive on failure a bit. So, you know, uh, and and so um I have, I, that's actually how Andrew and I met. We were both rock climbers and had different climbing groups and we, we came together and then it, it has been uh, such an instrumental part of my life, not only to, to plan and execute a, a, a mountaineering endeavor uh, expedition, but also to, to be there and have to problem solve my way to the top of a mountain or not and have to go try it again yeah. or not and have to walk away after you know whether it's thousands of dollars thousands of miles or in, in you know uh, in, in the pain and suffering at the same time so uh, mm -hmm. i it definitely helps me put things into perspective when it comes to risk taking and business uh, growth and all that yeah. i've been watching a lot of extreme sports we'll have to talk about you probably know the the, the documentary free solo oh yeah I am, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I'll yeah. think of you every time I right watch on. that. Now right I've been on. watching a lot of extreme sports with my kids lately, and uh, I've fallen in love with a little yeah. bit of rock climbing with free solos. So. Well, we should go sometime. Uh, no thanks. All right. <laughs> not 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 without <laughs> guarding like that guy does. No right, thanks. Exactly. Um, count me in. I'll go. <laughs> All right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have a lot of orange in me as well. <laughs> nice. Nice. All if, right. Uh, sorry, Anthony. I just need to say thank you so much for the opening dialogue there I actually feel like I might not be the right guest for today because of how heavy it is the gravity of the situation in Iowa um, with the the recent murder and a black man burning in a ditch uh, lit on fire by white people is just uh, it's inconscionable and then to on top of it have the Breonna Taylor um, you know, uh, failure that right. happened in our judicial system yesterday. Yeah. I, it, I can't believe it. Um, so thank you for having me, but I'm also in a bit of a, uh, I'm stressed out over that as well. I want you to know. Well, I appreciate you saying that you feel that you may not have been the best guest for today. I would have to contradict you on that. And I think that part of, uh, the solution that Part of the solution is for us all to be able to have conversations, regardless mm -hmm. of our background, our skin color, et cetera. That, that is how we're going to move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, you should be here as our guest today, and we should be talking about yeah. topics. We don't handpick guests based on what is going on in our environment. Right. We speak to our guests based on what is going on in our, our environment, as right. we all need to be reflecting on what that means to us and how do we as leaders 
take action personally and then yeah. well into said. the business. Yeah, so and I, I, I think it's a nice segue and maybe one of our first questions because, and, and thank you for that. And, and, yes. you, and you are the right guest because you're a leader who's, who's doing the right things. And, and many leaders don't do what you do. And so we didn't, we didn't ask for, for what happened this week. We didn't know that Breonna Taylor was gonna, the judgment was coming down this week. We didn't know that a black man was gonna get burned. We knew we wanted to talk to Steve Shriver. So we right knew on. we wanted to talk about these topics and it just yep. happened to align well. So absolutely. so absolutely. Well, so as we get into that, maybe, maybe that's a, a first question. Um, you, you know, we know to impact social justice on black people in America and globally, it, it really does take the support of white allies, Steve. Um, that, that's, a, that's a fact. Um, you can look at the history of civil rights and, and from Martin Luther King to Malcolm X to even further back. Movement has always been by a combination of people of all walks of life. And so, you know, you've, you've uh, walked shoulder to shoulder with uh, the BLM affiliates advocates for social justice here. Um, you've actually started your own, uh, help start Allies for Social Justice, which was a, a, a sister organization with primarily white allies. And, and you, you all had intention there. So your advocacy has already helped. It's helping drive change in the community, in the local community, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where, where, where your businesses are at. You've helped with the demands and you're helping move the city council forward as a, as a leader and a CEO. But, you know, as a white, middle-aged white man, um, you know, we watched you step up, but how's that affected you personally mm. and professionally and in the community? Can you, can you talk about that? Um, I, you know, when I initially stepped up, um, it, I didn't think twice about it. It just was just, it needed to, needed to happen. Part right. of it was that I remember getting a call from you um, and, and you, you said something to the effect of, um, they're killing us. Mm -hmm. And in that right there, I mean, if a friend calls me and says they're killing us, I'm there for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that is real, um, and those words are not an exaggeration, it made me go. And I, and I went in pretty deep, um, with the commitment to, um, to the black Lives matters movement that allies, uh, advocates for social justice so uh how's it affected i mean when we one thing i've always used tried to use our business uh as a force for doing good and no matter what business it is and um uh and so at bruhemia i said you know what we have hundreds of people in and out of there every day let's let's be the distribution point for black lives matter sign i saw i saw a lot of people um trying to raise money for blm signs um, online and I'm like, uh, I think everybody that's that's talking right now has a little bit of money, and I'm not going to wait until we raise funds or whatever. I'm just going to order a bunch of signs. So we ordered a couple hundred signs, and we just started distributing them out of there. And we said, you pay what you can, take them for free, whatever. We just need to get them out there. So um, that was probably the biggest visual impact um, that that I that I participated in. Um, we lost some customers. Mm -hmm. uh, we had some people, you know, turn, turn, I watched them walk up to our store and say, uh, I mean, some people said something, some people didn't, and they turned around and walked away. Uh, it created a lot of valuable discussions. Uh, we had a, a window broken out um, during the time that we were distributing signs. Pretty big coincidence. Mm -hmm. uh, so I feel like I felt the heat of, standing up mm -hmm. um my family is f it obviously fairly 
tolerant of my commitment, yep. but it's also, I think it's, I think it's stressed, um, some of like the, my greater family, um, who just may, might not understand mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what, uh, how, how, how much this means to me because of how much it means to you and, and how important it is to the world. Right. So, uh, it's, it's not been easy, um, being vocal about it. And sure. I, to be completely honest, I had to, uh, I have to take a little break from the ally, uh, the, the regular meetings because, um, it was, uh, I, I, I'm just, I just need to take a step back and reassess and not that my mind is changing, but I just need to make sure that I'm still keeping everything as in balance as possible with my family and businesses. Cause I have a way of getting OCD on something and right. really, right. Um, so I think I, I, I've, uh, created some vulnerabilities uh, because of my commitment to the cause. Yep. Still there with you. Yep. You know, as, as part of this journey, and you indicated that you just had to take a pause and assess. This is something that we ask anyone who is on any of their own personal journey, as well as from a business perspective. Sometimes right. you just have to pause, assess, reassess, and course correct if necessary, <sighs> and continue Thank to move forward. That. It's, it's right. part of this journey, and it's not meant to be a perfect journey. Right. I know I continue to make mistakes, but it's part of that growth mindset that we want leaders to continue yeah. to embrace. You learn from some of those. You indicated with the mountains when you were climbing. Mm -hmm. You learn from those failures and um, continue to move forward. But yep. Anthony can't pause the color of his skin. Right. And, and that's, that's where, I, how, why should I feel okay about pausing? And, that's, and I, I, think, I think what we mean by pause reassess, it's important that you continue to self-reflect and mm -hmm. reflect okay. every day yes. yourself reflect. And I, I call it, I, I what I call brush your teeth moments, right? We all have a couple of minutes to ourselves every day in the, in the bathroom or wherever in your shower, wherever, but are you continuing to self-reflect and being self-aware? And I've always said that doing, um, taking a stand for whatever it is will always come with heat. Um, there are forks in the road and you were at a place where, where many of us, no matter our race, when we look at what's happening, we have to decide what side of history we want to be on. And sometimes making those decisions come with sacrifice. And, you know, I, I know that, and Seneca fully knows that some of the work we do, there are people that aren't fond of it and um, it could cost me business. Mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. um, but as a, as a human being who's a global citizen, who cares about humanity globally, which I know you do and I know Seneca does, we have to be willing to take those risks. And so I, I commend you for what you're doing. And it's okay to say, I need to navigate because you, you still have to sleep at night. You, you know, no one's asking you to get, you know, shot and hosed by, you know, and ran over by dogs, but we're asking you to, to sacrifice and you're doing that, you know, it's part of the journey. It is part of the journey. And I think going back to, there is a shift happening globally, um, especially on the demographic landscape, uh, we're seeing a shift in the workplace with um, younger generations. What are they saying? About five years, 75% of our global workforce are going to be millennials. Think about what is happening right now with the, with the, the protest. What do you see out there, Steve? It's a lot of young people. Mm -hmm. I and mean, and I, I love seeing older people out there, but it is the young people that are driving yeah. the change. Yeah. And very diverse. Very diverse. Yes. Very diverse. So right then and there, that is an indicator in terms of what your workforce is potentially going to look like, as well as what your marketplace is. Right.
Alliant Energy is a place where I can create the future, where my skills, creativity, and new ideas make a better tomorrow. I help deliver the energy powering moments that matter to you. It's where we care about the environment and our neighbors, a place where my talents and skills grow. My job isn't a job, it's my passion, my place, my purpose, because I am energy. See how you can put your energy to work at AlliantEnergy.com slash careers. When we think about, you know, the triple bottom, you know, line in business with the people, profit, and planet. Mm-hmm. Thinking about um, B corporations, and you are a certified B corporation. Yes, yes. Back in the days, you would have companies that it's all about the profit, profit, profit. And they realize yep. that now their talent is saying, what about us? What about the people? What about the planet? Mm-hmm. So this is what we're seeing the shift. And when we think about diversity, yeah. this is a huge one with people, planet, and profit. Can you share a little bit in terms of why you went on this journey um, for getting this certification and what does the three Ps mean for you? Sure. Um, one thing when we talk about, um, you know, so three Ps, and when we talk about the people, we're talking about our employees, we're talking about, um, and really the way we look at it is we're talking about all the stakeholders in the old days, like you said, it was shareholders. And now it's all the stakeholders, including if you have shareholders, but we're talking about people in the supply chain and people in the community. And so we have chosen to be rated by a third party on our community involvement and on our, on our activism and on our, um, on, on, on these metrics. And so, you know, people, um, it's about, we have a minimum wage of $15 an hour. Um, and we measure the pay gap between the least paid and the most paid and we get scored on that and that score is public and you can access this data um planet it's what we do uh it's you know it's like it's the organic lip balm is just is you know we really try to create as little uh, as a carbon imprint as possible uh, and use um the ingredients as a um as a vehicle for change as well by using certified organic non-gmo ingredients and then the profit and this took me a while to figure out um, I've always been really good at driving um, sales and top line growth, but then I realized that we I can't really create the change that I want to create without having the money to do that. And so once we started, we we're like, okay, we got the top line thing figured out. Once we started realizing that, now we just got to you know, it, the more money we make, the more good we can do. Mm-hmm. And so that that allows for us to be nimble and to really create positive change. And we could put it back into our employees' pockets. We could put it in the community's pockets. We we could put it in some of it in, in my pocket if I want to, you know, but you, without profit, you can't be fully sustainable. And so that's a really important thing for especially um, social oriented entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like definitely just make sure that you are creating a profitable business model. And that's for true sustainability. Yep. You indicated that this, this data, you make it a point to intentionally share publicly. So the transparency piece is crucial. Mm-hmm. I know that sometimes it's hard, right, Anthony, for businesses to be very transparent about the data because the data may not look the best. Yeah, absolutely. They'd rather not able, talk about it. Right, right, right. But being able to transparently showcase where you are and know that uh, there's work to be done. Right. To get to to become a certified B corporation, and we look at the B standing for benefit, um, the total score that you can get is 200, uh, 200 points. We... Uh, you have to be to be certified you have to have a minimum of 80 points 
Um, when we did the first assessment five or six years ago, we were under 80. Uh, we have worked our way up into the mid 90s. So, but what we have is an infrastructure and goal setting um, in place that gives us uh, gives us the ability to to really focus on on increasing our score. And every time we increase the score, it's increasing something with our employee benefits, something in the community, something with our profitability right. um, and what we're doing with it. So it's it's pretty awesome to have that infrastructure to work with. Steve, do you think do you, do you do you think that uh, that your personal your your platform your power and your privilege has been the driving force of that and have have you do you feel that you've used your position to leverage and get buy-in and bias from your other leadership so that becomes a global part of, oh, yeah. of the organization oh do yeah talk, do you feel so talk about that impact yeah. and how you as a leader how you've impacted others or do you, or have you yeah yeah so um uh i mean are you specifically talking inside the organization or outside or either B or? both really okay. inside you know i think yeah. it starts with you and then in order yeah. to impact at your at your businesses yeah it's important that you have buy-in from your leaders yeah um, yeah so it's interesting because i think we we still have to make a case a lot of times at how this can impact the business and the hardest thing to do is to 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 kind of figure out the roi mm -hmm. in social justice right yes. social yeah. um, and environmental programs too is you you know it's like so how, why should we give a uh, hundred thousand dollars to this cause um so but what we what i did right when i could is i actually uh, i had our uh, bylaws changed for the corporation right when we became a b corporation and that's something that's not required but it's asked and and so i had i said we are going to create um social and environmental change with our business so that's part of who we are. So when I hire somebody, this is like, it's our business model now. And then moving forward, it's like, this is, we are, um, we, we always want to pay our people more. We always want to buy more fair trade ingredients and, and impact the farmers who I visited in, in, you know, Madagascar. And, um, I want them to have better living and how we can create that is by paying a premium for the raw materials that we're buying from them. And so it's at this point, it's, such a big part of our DNA that I think if anybody and I can't remember the last time somebody challenged a particular topic related to it, but um, it's it's just the way we are now. Mm -hmm. We really believe that our business is changing the world, you know, with this little tiny stick of lip balm. That that is great. That because if you've got that commitment, that it's what we do is changing the world at the top of the food of the food chain, yeah. for lack of a better yeah. term. And, you know, my hope is that you're using that those those four P's uh, to leverage that downstream within your entire company. Yeah. It sounds like that's what's that's what's beginning to happen because it, but it has to start with with uh, yep. with those leaders looking in the mirror. And it sounds like you all have done a really good job of that. So that's, that's well, we, I mean, we, we live it. And that's the one thing, too. I, I always try to lead by example, walk the walk, all that stuff. I will. I, I need to give you before not sure how long we'll be talking about B corporation, but to give you a level of detail of the assessment that we go through yeah. and, um, Anthony, for sure, you, you'll understand this, uh, uh, about training. Um, we, we have these rigorous assessments that we do every couple of years. Um, and, uh, the, you know, part of it is on our community involvement. Part of mm -hmm. it's on our, but we, there's a, there's a diversity and inclusion, section that we get scored on mm -hmm. we have a long way to go on it but for instance uh we we 
we have to do diversity and inclusion trainings. And in these trainings, we currently um, teach all the employees there about discrimination and harassment, um, definitions of diversity, equity, inclusion, um, as well as other key concepts related to inclusive workspaces, um, unconscious bias training. Um, I will say that, you know, sitting in a room full of people and having somebody teach this, some people are more interested than others, mm-hmm. but we have decided to make a commitment to this. Um, cultural awareness, uh, com- competency, and or resolving intercultural conflict training. Um, we actually have a, uh, we have a large uh, segment of our employees that are uh, refugees from uh, various places like mm-hmm. uh, Ghana and Nigeria. Yeah. And, uh, and so we, there's also some language barriers. And there's, we have a lot of Hispanic workers and there's uh, cultural uh, differences. Right. So it's awesome to see it all. It doesn't always work, but nothing does. You know, in that's terms the journey. Of, right. That's the beauty of the journey. Yeah. Right. Nothing's perfect, I should say. Well, no, that's great. Well, I was going to say, as part of the diverse workforce as well, I think I've heard from um, other uh, businesses as well saying that we have a diverse workforce and um, we also know that language is a barrier. Mm-hmm. And I said, is there, are we looking at it from a negative lens or can we look at it in a positive lens that I remember growing up here in schools, they would say, oh, a foreign language, you need to have a foreign language. Why do they I advocate look. for foreign language? Because they said it would help, help from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. It would make you more marketable. Right. Those individuals are already having another language. Now they're trying to learn a second one as well. And think about it. They could be the, uh, t- they can help you tap into new markets. Yeah. Because you don't have yeah. talent that, right. you know, was able to communicate with this new market. Yeah. So utilize them in that aspect well, of it. It's an opportunity yeah. gain. But I understand. That's a great maybe, way to put it. Yeah, maybe you. maybe you didn't mean to say this, but I think you kind of did, is that one of the things you said earlier on is that you, you thrive on failure too, that challenge of, of of, of failure right so that means you're willing to take those risks and yes. if you're yep. driving that in your company yep. people are going to be more accepting of immigrant populations or people that, because yep. they see that challenge as half full as opposed to half empty Absolutely. that's right so good point Zedekin. yeah i want to uh, go in a, a different direction here i know that we've um, mentioned a, a privilege a few times here and I also know offline, Steve, you had mentioned that uh, you were you had grown up in Davenport, mm-hmm. Iowa. So Quad Cities, my yes. stomping ground, yeah. when you moved around when we came from America, when we came yeah. to America, ended up in the Quad Cities from second grade on all the way through high school. Awesome. So, um, what school did you go to? By I the way? went to United Township High School, UT. Okay. Okay. Panthers. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, what about you? Uh, I was a Harrison Elementary and then into uh, North. Davenport North? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, so, yeah. What was your experience um, in Davenport? And I know we had pockets, so we know that the diversity was increasing, mm-hmm. at least when I was going there. It started to increase over time. How was it for you? And what was your social circle like? My, I, my best friends growing up were black. Um, Leon Ballou, uh and Everett Webb, and we uh, we had a breakdancing group, and we actually my first business. So I had diversity in my life. I didn't know it really. I mean, I didn't. It's just part of living um, at at the time. Um, uh, and I guess now that I say that, I think I as we grew up together, um, I, I I witnessed racism happening around us. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, 
we are my first business that I made any money on um, was uh, breakdancing uh, lessons that we did in our basement. And so um, I was teaching people how to do the wave. You oh, and I like care to, to demonstrate? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you and I often will have to talk. I, I spent most of my childhood, I think my bones are broken because of all the break dancing. We're going to have did. a break off, man. Yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about that. So, your experience, how has it changed from what you view the world from a privileged perspective and now, as we're always uh, changing, developing, reimagining uh, who we are and what we thought back then to what we reflect on around privilege. Yeah, I I guess one thing that I didn't know growing up and I think I recently discovered was this white privilege and just how privileged I didn't I didn't realize how many additional barriers were just well were were there in front of other people and probably not there for me. Uh I no doubt though I worked my ass off. Um I mean I I quit high school and like did my own thing and, and I'm going to, I earned every amount of uh, success that I have, but um, I believe it would have absolutely been a, a much different story. Had I been, uh, had uh, colored skin, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I, I think uh, I, I realize that now reflecting back that, um, that, I had a life of privilege, even though I came from a um, lower to middle income um, upbringing. Right. You know, how, how has that affected or do you believe that that has affected your communication, your decision making as a leader, um, how you deal with people in your companies and out in your community? Do, do you think that those experiences have an effect on how you how you navigate the world today 100 percent um just the fact that we can uh that i have the ability to share uh the privilege that i have with with my employees and with with people in our supply chain um that have i mean under like basically uh underrepresented populations Mm -hmm. are just giving they're given way more hurdles and uh and i see it every day. And so part of, part of my life mission is just to, um, share, I guess, share the wealth, mm-hmm. um, that, that I get or have from my, from my privilege. Mm-hmm. But I, I probably wouldn't have been able to articulate it that way five years ago. That's good. Growth. Growth yeah. on the journey. Yeah. This question came up, um, about a month ago when I was visiting family in St. Louis and with, um, Halloween coming up around the corner, um, being in the diversity space, I always get a lot of questions too. And so um, question was about uh, blackface. And um, I want us to talk a little bit about that. And I know that um, Steve, um, you have a a personal journey on that as well. But before we go into it, um, Anthony, do you want to share with our listeners a little bit about history of blackface and ensure that uh, we're able to communicate what that is? So it helps to set it up a little bit more. Yeah, be very, be very brief. But but in in brief, uh, you know, blackface historically goes back to to the slavery days in the late 1830s um, when uh, white slave owners would want to put on minstrel shows Um, and they want to put on these shows and they wanted to demonstrate the 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 ineptness, the uneducated, the goofiness, and the buffoonery of black people. Um, and they had these shows to make fun of black people, 
but they didn't want black people to be actors. And so they would have white people and they would paint their faces black. Um, and they created this character called Jim Crow. And, and so this became part of minstrel shows, part of entertainment throughout slavery is, is demonstrating the, the quote unquote buffoonery and, and stupidity and uneducatedness and, and, uh, of black people through these menstrual shows and using the black face. And so it became a uh, total derogatory approach that that is the purpose of the black face. And so fast forward to um, 13th Amendment, we pass um, and we move into the Jim Crow era. Jim Crow, that, that's the, the pseudo name of the era of civil rights where it was separate but equal, but really wasn't where blacks, black, whites, white bathroom, black bathroom, white bus. Um, and so during that time, that, that's how it became named the Jim Crow era. It was named after this character um, that was highlighted in the menstrual shows. So it's, um, the, the black face, the painting is, is uh, historically writ written and then and, and the disenfranchisement and making fun of black people. So that's where that came from. Well, um, thank you for yeah. sharing with our listeners um, more context around this. And uh, we've um, seen how even cancel culture around individuals mm -hmm. that um, younger days may not be aware, and they do this mm -hmm. and conduct this. Steve, I know that you had shared with, um, with Anthony this, and uh, we're willing to um, share with our listeners as well um, your personal experience mm -hmm. around this. Thank you. We appreciate you doing this as part of a learning opportunity for leaders. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, uh, I was a big fan of Mr. T growing up mm -hmm. and I was oh, like, this Mr. is my T. guy. I was, I wore his t-shirts. I had his underoos. I, Mr. T was my idol. And, uh, and 2007, I think I went to a Halloween party and I did, uh, I did an impression of Mr. T and I gave myself a real mohawk and I colored my skin black and uh it, it a blend of brown and black and um and i it was what i thought i was doing was a, a you know a, a good interpretation of mr t um it wasn't until uh years later when there it's it was circulating uh a, a around the time that there was talk of me running for mayorship and uh and that you know there was some emails going around that were like you know how could how could how could we ever have a ra this racist guy running our, our our city? And I was like, wait, racist? Wait a second, wait a second. Like I, I, I if anything, I felt like it at the time that I was like, man, I I grew up with I I have so I I identify so strongly with my black friends in the black culture that I thought it was okay, and it wasn't until I realized that um that it that it was offensive and that I hurt. I hurt people in the process, not that I know of at the time, but people that have reached out to me since then that mm -hmm. know about it. And uh, once I knew that it it hurt them, um, I, I I don't I don't want to be the cause for that hurt. I can't take back what I did, um, but I don't want to be the cause for that hurt. Um, so I issued a public apology, and um, and I, it it was received pretty well. I think that I it can't take back the fact that I, um, that I still have offended people and hurt, um, hurt them. But, uh, I wanted to uh, not try to justify it, which I see a lot of, I've seen a lot of leaders do that where it's like, you know, well, it was a different time and we, you know, and 
and I, I think I even might have tried to justify it a few minutes ago by saying, well, I, mean, I grew up with a bunch of black friends, and so I should, it felt like it was okay. But, um, but in reality, you see a lot of people trying to justify it, and it doesn't, there's no justification for it. There's, there's no, um, right. it's just it, it, not appropriate. Appreciate you sharing. Yep, absolutely. I think about again intent versus impact. We we talk about that a we lot. We do, Steve. Um, if I mm-hmm. asked you what was your intent, right, right, I, and and I think that's why you got a lot of good feedback. I think uh, obviously it wasn't the appropriate thing to do, and I think lesson learned, right? But it was the intent, um, and that's why you know I stood up for you. Um, Thank you. I, I, I publicly do appreciate that you because um, I knew you, the man, you know, um, and I knew it was. Listen, I've, I, I tell the story a lot about um, my perception of, of, of white men in leather jackets growing up and what mm-hmm. I thought of them. Uh, they were all racist to me. They're all KKK mm-hmm. members. Mm-hmm. Anybody that I saw in a Harley Davidson, that was my perception. And it was through learned experiences. And so, uh, you know, I had to learn too. So it's, you know, I, I appreciated the fact that you learned and you, t- and you, you to your point, you didn't justify. You, mm-hmm. Of course, you justified it then because that's what you thought. But you right. learned today, and you know, and you've, and so that's called growth, and that's that's journey. So, Steve, how were you uh, proactive about it? You know, I know that you put a post on Facebook. You you were proactive about this. Talk well, about that a I, bit. you know, uh, probably could have been more proactive because it, the first time that I heard people talking about it was a couple of years before this, and I, at the time, again, <laughs> I thought it was I thought it would blow over I wasn't sure what to do at the time and it was like it, it kind of did blow over you know mm-hmm. and then it started circulating again and people were emailing about um, this action this thing I did and and uh, and I I actually asked um, the person that uh, I think I hurt the most and I said what what can I do um, what can I do to to uh, become your friend again to to uh, to apologize and she mm-hmm. said a public apology would be appropriate mm-hmm. and uh i thought about it for about two hours and i was like you know what let's get, let's get it out there and um and it was risky i actually got accused of uh grandstanding uh, you uh-huh. know on, on a to- on a hot topic right. oh there right. you know and it's like wait a minute here I, right. okay sure fine whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's, you know, so I, I, I really don't feel like I was proactive, but I, it, it, I did take action uh, right. on, on something that I think was important. Again, again, it, part of that journey. You well, know? well, it's really interesting because you ask the individual, what do you recommend or what can I do or what should I do? They indicated a public apology and you took that to heart. Someone mm-hmm. else thought it was grandstanding. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so perception. This is, uh, right. Perception, the optics. At the end of the day, it's your relationship with the individuals, Steve. You know in this lifetime there are going to be relationships where some are going to be, you're going to have to bless and release. Mm-hmm. You knew in this instance this relationship mattered a lot to you. Right. And as someone who knows you is not going to just say, oh, Steve, you did this. Let's not be friends or let's not do business together. Yeah what they really want to do and should do is have conversations. Yes. Thank you. That's, and that's like, I mean, with all, all my employees and friends and it's like, I, I want to be able to have that dialogue. I don't want anybody to have to think twice about having a conversation, a tough conversation with me about that. So I'm, I'm glad that she, 
uh, brought it to my attention. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Tell me what keeps you, as you think about your, your space and, and the four P's, and we've talked about so many things that you've done um, positively to impact change, uh, both in your personal life and your business. Um, so if you, as you think about equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement today, what keeps you up at night? When, I mean, when business is down, and since I use that as, as the, the main force for doing the good, and the reason that I can drop everything when the storm hit, and literally I sent, uh, I mean, truckloads of, we delivered truckloads of food and supplies to people in need. Yes. Um, the reason I can do that is because my businesses have, are currently successful. Um, and that could change, but. And uh, you're referring to the derecho storm that hit Iowa and through the Midwest. Yes. Yes. And so, um, I, I think there's, uh, an element of it, like what keeps me up at night when business is down, I, that keeps me up because I will, I'm not as, I'm not, I, I'm not as capable of doing as much as I, I'm not as productive in the mm-hmm. community. Um, but high level, uh, what keeps me up is, uh, our, our, our current government, our administration. That's, I, I, I don't, you know, until we, we see these millennials who are taking action and until we see them start filling those roles, um, we have this old guard that is, you know, that's reversing so much of what, what has, what we've been fighting for and what, uh, why I was proud during the Obama, Obama administration to call myself an American. And, uh, and I still love the United States of America, but I hate what our leaders at in in the White House stand for and in Washington sure well I want to go on a little lighter note here um, I hear that you are a great artist um, and you also uh, create uh, wrote a song I believe right it was yeah. called overcome yeah so um, I, I will say first that uh, I'm really I'm a harmonica player but I like to I, I like to do vocals as well and so um, my harmonica skills are way better than my vocal skills, but I, <laughs> but I, uh, have, um, I've always written songs. So I've wrote, I've written, um, hundreds of songs, uh, and they, they started out as poems until I became a musician and I'm like, Oh yeah, these are songs, you know? And yeah, so, yeah. um, and actually proud and uh, that one of them is going to be on a fundraiser for the Rachel, uh, victims, um, coming up soon. Nice. Uh, I wrote a song called overcome. Uh, and I was in a band at the time called Broke Out Steppers, and we were a reggae band. Um, and uh, the the song was about um, it was about uh, overcoming obstacles and being and becoming free, right? Like, and so it the it went. Let's see here. Um, let me see if I can get in the groove here. Um, <clears throat> it went something like this. And, and maybe I'll send you the track so you can get it right. But it said, uh, it was like, overcome, strong fist rise up until the day we are done. I understand and I want you to know we are the sum of all we do and have done. That's right, we are the sum of everyone. Yes, that means everyone. One love. Rise up, sun, and shed light on community. Can't you see what we're fighting for? And then... I go on to say in this song, uh, let's be free. You and you and me, let's be free. Let's be free. Yeah, we shall overcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
overcome. And it was at the time I was like, yeah, man, I'm writing a song about, you know, like strong human people and like how we got to work together and be strong and rise up with our fists up and do all the stuff that we're doing today. And, uh, but then I think back at it and I'm like, how stupid and naive of me as this white guy to be singing about being free, man. I've been, I mean, I'm, I'm free. I'm pretty free. (laughs) I don't think I'm looking at Anthony here. Like, I don't think you are, have the freedom I have. And so for me to just say, let's be free, man. Let's come on. You and you and me, let's be free. Like how stupid. Well, first of all, I like your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Secondly, very nice. You're going to come hang out in my studio sometime too. Can I get an invite for that? You can get an invite. Yes. yes. And Joe. You'll you'll definitely come over. Joe helped me set up some of my studios. Um, But to your point, music, music is a, is a, is a unifier. So it's so cool to know that you're involved with music. And I, there's a, you know, I, I, we have around in a lot of communities around the country. I know they have battle of the bands with, with CEOs and things like that. So, it's good to know that you're involved with music, but as your point about um, freedom, it's interesting because um, music is what soothed black slaves during slavery. I mean, music in the fields, those those hymns and those those religious hymns you hear, they were created to keep their sanity in the field and to 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 keep themselves together as cod pickers. And so, um, your your singing about it is is poignant. It's actually, I don't think you should feel stupid. What you've done is. You're an ally, right, of, of freedom and social justice. You, you have, you should be singing in the same choir I should be singing okay. in, right? I so, like it. I like so it. So I think that's a great thing that I, you've done. And we'll and have to I, sing I, that whole song okay. sometime. Yeah, yeah. But I think the, the introspection and then yeah. reflecting on it was yes. what um, Steve was referring to, that, hey, it sounded great, but compared to others, yeah. I'm more, I have more freedom. And for you to be able to reflect back on that, it, it takes a lot to yeah. go and dig in your Good mind. Point. And, Good well, point. And it happened right. So, and I think as we learn, um, I, I was, I just finished the book. Um, it, it was about owning your body. Um, I can't remember the writer, but he said, um, he's, the, the story is about um, teaching his son how to survive in the United States. Brilliant. And, um, and he, he basically saying like, I don't, I don't, he's a black man that he's just like, I don't own my body. They own my body. And I'm always, I always have to protect my body. And one of the reasons why, why black culture is so, is so strong um, in terms of, uh, you know, music and, and fashion and everything else is because black people are trying, I mean, they continually are trying to own their bodies, mm-hmm. you know, whereas like we, I, as a white man, I don't think about it that way, but I thought it was brilliant. And that was where I had the revelation. I'm like, wait, I'm sitting here telling him he should just be free man own your own body like you right. should just be free but it's just not that easy yeah, it's interesting you say that as i i know sidebar but i think about um we, we think about black culture and for example you hear a lot of stories about uh, black men that have chains and the rappers and they're wearing their chains and you know it's bling 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 and do they care about anything else and we don't really again if we dig in root cause historically um black people have always been enamored with jewelry and gold, like gold came from Africa, right? And yeah. if you look at African history, they were always engulfed in, in emblems of, of, of power and being a queen or a king, right? And those, so the wearing of jewelry was always traditional. It was a thing. And so, but we wouldn't tie that today, right? right? You don't think about it. Um, and, and so it's interesting. Um, 
it's an interesting concept to, to consider as you think about yeah. what happens today and then the historical tie. So, yeah. Okay, now it's time for What's on Our Listener's Mind. What's on Our Listener's Minds? So we have a question from our listener, Sam. Steve, we love to be able to hear from our listeners in terms of comments, suggestions, questions they may have, and we have one from Sam. I'm an educator in my school district, and I am seeing many of my older colleagues struggling with technology, whether it's teaching or attending meetings, so on. How can I be of better support to them as I see they are greatly frustrated and getting very disengaged and frustrated? Well, when we think about diversity, that's a great question, Sam, because uh, multi-generations is a key, key component of diversity as well that many times we don't think about because it usually bubbles to the top, race, ethnicity, and gender, realizing that age and multi-generations is also key part of diversity as well. Yeah, great question. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I was not our, prepared our, for that question. Our, our, our listeners, um, they're deep. They're I deep. Like and, it. And, um, I with like multi-generational it. workforce and with technology. Here's what I, you got to do. All right. Think of the best technical support that you have experienced in your life and just be that. <laughs> and just give it your all and act no matter how frustrated you might be. Act passionate and not condescending. The, I, I used to make my elders feel bad for not knowing this you know the stuff about technology but now i'm like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna take a deep breath and i'm gonna try to provide a solution for them and the better job i do the fewer times they're gonna ask me about it in the future yeah well thank you sam there you have it some advice from our guest executive here steve shriver take a deep breath be patient <laughs> and give grace yes well, we love to hear from you listeners, so please send us your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at diversitystraightup.com. So we're going to segue. We, we have a little fun uh, on the show. As you know, we, we try always have a little fun. We have what we call uh, an icebreaker called Diversity Thumbball. Um, as for our audience, uh, we, we have a ball that's shaped like a soccer ball, and uh, it has a bunch of questions related to diversity on it. And it's usually used in life settings, and we throw the ball around and you throw the ball and you catch it and wherever your thumb lands on the question, you ask yourself that question and then you answer it. So um, hopefully you were a break dancer, so I know you know how to catch <laughs> oh, yeah. things. Oh, yeah. I know you know how yeah, to catch things, right? So. And it's a softball, <laughs> yeah. listeners, okay? So we're going to toss the ball around. I'm going to toss it to you. I'll toss it to you first. Steve, okay. Wherever your thumb lands, you ask the question and then you answer it for us. I'll do All the, right. Yep, yep, or I'm the ready. statement or Here the prompt. <laughs> Boom. All right. Uh, what gives you hope that people are becoming more accepting of diversity? That's... That's a good question. Um, things like this, what uh, what you guys are doing in the podcast, the fact that you're doing this with in conjunction with CBJ, the Corridor Business Journal, and you have sponsors and, and advertisers like Alliant Energy who are helping the voices on your show get, uh, get heard, um, I think is huge. I think we have a huge momentum with, with Hollywood and major influencers around the world that are not going to let up on what's happening. And so um, I think as terrible as the times are right now, this is a pivotal moment and uh, we all should have hope. I agree. I agree. Okay. Awesome. Am I supposed to yep, pause we, talk? Are okay. you ready for whoever? <laughs> My question is, what makes you different? How much time do I have? Ooh, do it. 
If I was looking at from a cultural perspective, I'm different because I don't feel as if I fit in into any of the culture. And maybe I'm not the only one that fits in that mold. I don't feel like I'm American. I don't feel like I'm Indian. You just kind of feel like you're there? Wow. What's that like? Um, it feels like a dual identity at times mm -hmm. because I don't know where I can feel myself or mm -hmm. comfortable. Mm hmm I know sometimes I've heard from colleagues that within my black community, I'm more comfortable and open. Mm -hmm. I wish I could say that with my own Indian community. Mm -hmm. I don't feel yep. as comfortable there either. Yep. Well, you, you know, you, you came here as an infant at, I at came, three, so. I came as an immigrant in yeah. 19 months yeah. old. This was before technology. So even being connected to right. what your own mother country would be like mm -hmm. India, I didn't have that connection. Right. And then being raised in a very um, collectivist and a culture where it was very traditional, and very patriarchal. Yeah. And then going to an education system that was all about individuality and Sarika, what do you think? But then suddenly for the rest of the day coming back, I would be thrown back into the traditional role of being what a girl is, what a woman mm -hmm. is. So, yeah, yeah I guess Ooh. makes me different right. in the sense that I have a lot of identities. Yeah. All right, you're going to toss that ball. Oh, to gosh, me? yes, I should be. This is rolling it. <laughs> <laughs> How might you personally combat discrimination? Um, that's a good one for you. It is, it is. And that's, it's actually a hard one for me because it's, um, we talked yesterday in a meeting about um, emotional labor and compartmentalization and, and how do you manage that. Um, and it's, I think, Activism. I, I always. I've been telling people a lot lately. I'm. I'm torn. Uh, I think I'm leaning between, or my life right now is somewhere between being, an activism between activism and being an activist, and they're really different. Um, and I'm probably somewhere in between now. And so, I'm. I'm. I'm struggling with how to combat discrimination on a daily basis between those between those spaces. Um, when is it appropriate to, uh, to confront with aggression and and. Um, and emotion and, and uh, anger versus when is it appropriate to have a rational conversation? Where does it lie in between? And depends on the day and the circumstance and um, what's happening really, I think, affects for me how I, how I combat it. But um, I, I believe there's multiple weapons uh, to do it. Uh, we, my uncle always tells me um, um, everybody plays a role. Uh, we need people in this fight that are good in the courtroom. We need people in this fight that are good on the streets. We need people in this fight that are good in, in, the, in clergy. We need accountants. We need politicians. They, everybody uh, plays a role. Everybody doesn't protest. Everybody doesn't march um, to combat discrimination. So we just have to play a role. So I think there's multiple ways I combat it, um, depending on what's, what the situation is. Steve, as we wrap up this um, episode, is there any one or two pieces of advice that you can give to our listeners to really help them advance their own um, individual journey when it comes to equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement? As we know, it starts with them individually to drive impact in their company and organization as well as in their community worldwide. I really appreciate you asking me that. And uh, I, I'm going to recommend that people go on to the B Corp assessment. If you just Google B Corp assessment and you can take the assessment for free, but you could also just jump to the community aspect of it and look and look for the diversity inclusion uh, area. 
and see where you rate. And I, I'm talking business. So, I mean, like I'm thinking business. That's important. Yeah. Um, it, that's where my head's always at. But, um, and, and, and I suppose even if you are just personally interested, um, you could see where, how your workplace scores, um, by filling out the information there. It's, it's, you're, you're checking boxes on what you're doing, but you're also being made aware at the same time of what it, what criteria, uh, companies like ours are getting judged on, um, uh, by world leaders in this topic. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners that we have not asked you, Steve? Man, oh man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I have, uh, I, I'm just super um, honored to be a part of this show. Thank you very much for having me. And I just want us to keep building community here. Let's keep making Cedar Rapids stronger. Let's keep making, uh, you know, this area, uh, more successful in every way, including diversity right. and inclusion. Well, we thank you for, for, for joining us, and, and you're right. Uh, our, our minds are, are beyond. Uh, we have to think of, we think of ourselves as global citizens, and this, this work uh, goes beyond uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I think your, your company is an example of that. Ecolips is not just it's here in Cedar Rapids, but your products are global. Mm -hmm. um, you sell products to people outside of the United States, and so it's important that we, you know, we, we – um, we stick our chests out. We pump our, mm -hmm. our chests up a little bit in Cedar Rapids and let people know. But uh, but we need cheerleaders like this all yes. around the world. We and do. that's what's going to make do. us all go Absolutely. together. We always say we're bubbling out of Iowa, but we're going global. Yep. Yeah. Global so nice. citizens. These topics impact Thank everyone you. globally. Thank you. Thank you yes. so Thank much you, for Steve. your time. Thank, Thank you. you. Diversity straight up. Keeping it real. Yeah, we shall overcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Overcome. You've been listening to Diversity Straight Up, a Corridor Business Journal podcast presented by Collins Aerospace and the City of Cedar Rapids. For more from the Corridor Business Journal, please visit CorridorBusiness.com. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. to lay down their guns and democracy sits in the hands of everyone once again we the people have just begun a revolution we have won one love sing with me sing for peace take this stance give peace a chance come on and dance give peace a chance let's be free you and you and you and me let's be free Yeah, we shall overcome, yeah, 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 overcome. Yeah, we shall overcome, yeah, 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 overcome. Yeah, we shall overcome, yeah, 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 overcome. Yeah, we shall overcome. Yeah, 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 overcome.